We've been discussing First Peter this Sunday and next Sunday. We're going to deviate from First Peter, dealing with prayer this morning. And the next Sunday, the focus will be on Thanksgiving. Let's pray together, and then we'll think about prayer coming from a passage in the Old Testament. Father, we are grateful that you hold us fast. We're grateful that you lead us. And we're grateful for giving us your word, Christ, as our life, your Holy Spirit, to enable, to guide. And as we interact with your word this morning, we want to hear, we want to apply, to live in a manner pleasing to you. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. A couple of quotes in relation to prayer. Prayer is not conquering God's reluctance but taking hold of God's willingness. Philip Brooks, Woodrow Crow says, great prayers come from the crucible of inactive silence. Just being silent before God. Robert Pratt, in his book on prayer, When we focus too much on what we need, we are bound to neglect the one whom we need. Think about that one. When we focus too much on what we need, we're bound to neglect the one whom we need. W. Brigham Hunter, prayer is a means God uses to give us what he wants. The Lord desires for his children to draw near to him in prayer. He delights in our talking to him, communicating with him. And as we draw near to him in prayer, it changes us. Because we're spending time with the perfect God of the universe. I trust as we look at a man who drew near to God in prayer this morning, that it will impact us to draw near to God in prayer and in boldness as we pray. Take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We'll be reading verses 16 through the end of the chapter together. We're leaping into the middle of Abraham's walk with God. We'll mention a few things about that in just a few moments. But Genesis 18 and verse 16. When the men get up to leave, they look toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I've chosen him so that he will be, or so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. 
the men turned away and went toward Sodom. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Would not the judge of all the earth do right? Then the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, and will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. What if only 40 are found? He said, For the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, Now that I've been supposed to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry with angry, but let me speak just one Once more, what if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I would not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. As we think about Abraham, we know that Abraham did not always walk with God. Abraham had been called from Ur the Chaldeans to go to a place where God would show him. He left Ur of the Chaldeans and would have journeyed up to Haran and spent some time in Haran. And then in time, he would have come down to what we call the promised land and spent a lot of time in what we might call the promised land. And sometimes we think of Abraham as being a giant in the faith. Abraham would have been a shepherd. Caring for sheep, he would have been a business owner. He was not in, quote, what we call full-time Christian service. He was a common, ordinary man. God had given Abraham an unconditional promise in Genesis 12 (coughs) at age 75. Abraham moved to the hills because his nephew Lot wanted the plains. And Abraham gave Lot his choice. Abraham trusted God for an imputed righteousness. He believed God, and God credited to him as righteousness in Genesis 15. In chapter 16, Abraham got a little impatient and listened to Sarah interact with him, and he had a child by Hagar, an Egyptian handmaid, Ishmael, but Ishmael was not the promised son. Then in chapter 17, at age 99, God reaffirms his covenant. To Abraham and says, no, you're going to have a child a year from now. And then in chapter 18, verses 1 through 15, we find that the Lord, along with two angels, appear to Abraham and remind him that he is going to have a child. 
Sarah's going to have a child. This will be the promised son. And we know that the Lord and two angels came to him. He wanted to be hospitable. He went out and he killed an animal. Bread would have been prepared. He would have fed them. And then the Lord said, you know, your wife's going to have a child. And she laughed. I think you might laugh if you're 89. And the Lord said, you're going to have a baby next year. And the Lord uh, said, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, really have a child now that I'm old? And what happens then? The two angels are present in the early part of the passage we read, but then they depart to go to Sodom. So we have the angels, two of the characters. Abraham is involved in the passage we read, and also the Lord. And I'm of the opinion that as we think about the Lord, it would not be God himself because you can't be in God's presence and live. I'm inclined to think that it's a pre-incarnate manifestation of Christ because we know that Christ lived in eternity past I am inclined to think he's the one that appeared to Abraham who talked to Abraham with whom Abraham is talking to at this point in time so Abraham has been in relationship with God for some 25 years according to scripture and in the passage we're discussing we find that the Lord makes a decision to share with Abraham in verses 16 through 21. Abraham decides to be bold. I'm sorry, in verses 22. In the first part of 23. And then he reasons with the Lord. In verses 23 through the end of the chapter. Now notice in verse 16. When the men get up to leave. When the two angels and the Lord get up to leave. What happens? They looked down towards Sodom. And when they looked down towards Sodom, remember Abraham went to the mountains. Lot was in the plains. So he's in the mountains and the men looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham walks along with them to see them on their way. He walks along with them to see them on their way. He's a good host. He's practicing hospitality. Then the Lord said, not the angels, the Lord, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? He's posing a question. And apparently, the two angels and Abraham would have heard what is being said. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? The Lord goes on in verse 18. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. And all nations on earth will be blessed through him. That would be true because of the promise given in chapter 12. The promise reaffirmed in chapter 15. And reaffirmed again in chapter 17. For I have chosen him in verse 19. So that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. So we have the independent, self-existing one, if you please, the Lord talking 
communicating, thinking. And in verse 20, then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. And apparently this is said in Abraham's presence. The Lord is responding. The outcry, that's against Sodom and Gomorrah. It's great. Want to know if their sin is grievous. So he's going to go down and check it out. And who goes? In verse 22, the men turn away and went towards Sodom. Now the men we know are angels because in chapter 19, in verse 1, the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. So the day has been spent with Abraham and Sarah, the two angels and the Lord, getting ready to leave and the Lord shares some things, you know, as... Do I want to talk to Abraham about this? The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. The two angels part. They go down to Sodom to check things out. Abraham stays before the Lord. I want you to notice. After the two men depart in verse 22, the two men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. We have the creature before the creator. We have the finite before the infinite. Then Abraham approached him, approached the Lord, and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And I want you to notice he uses a question. God is the one who came to Adam and Eve and used questions. And we find over and over again, God in the Old Testament uses questions when he approaches people. If you please hear Abraham is saying, God, I got a question for you. Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? It implies that Abraham knows something that he hasn't said to this point. God, you're going to sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Second question, what if there's 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Third question. What is the foundation underlying the request of Abraham? Why is he even saying, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? He had some idea that God would not sweep the righteous away with the wicked. And he starts with 50. If there's 50, will you sweep it away? What is underlying that? The character of of the Lord. Far be it from you to do such a thing, 
Far be it from you, Lord, to do such a thing. For you to kill the righteous with the wicked, far be that from you. To kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Now here's Abraham, the created being, talking to the creator. Here's the slave, if you please, talking to his master. Posing a bunch of questions. And then he says, far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Lord, won't you do right? In essence, Abraham is saying, Lord, you can't, you can't kill the righteous with the wicked. Abraham's entire conversation with the Lord is related to the character of the Lord. How did Abraham know that the Lord would not treat the righteous like the wicked. How did he know that? How did Abraham know that God would be faithful to his character? I think there can only be one answer. Abraham knew history. Abraham knew that some 400 years earlier, there was a flood. And the flood came because of evil and the wickedness of men. And only the wicked people were judged. God saved the righteous. Noah, Mrs. Noah, Noah's three sons and their wives. He didn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. He did not send judgment upon the earth and destroy the righteous. He spared them in the ark. Abraham is saying, God, you can't. He's not wording it this way, but bottom line is, you can't be faithful to your character and destroy the righteous with the wicked. That's not the way you do it. Far be that from you. And I think his basis for asking is based upon the flood. Abraham knew the Lord's character and made a request in light of the Lord's character. The Lord could not be unfaithful to his own character. So what happens? Abraham is not a proud, haughty man. No, he was told, for the sake of 50, I won't destroy. And in verse 27, that Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, he knew his role. What if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of five people? Lord, how about 45? 
The Lord says, I won't destroy it. And Abraham goes on, he says, Lord, how about 40? And the Lord says, for the sake of 40, I won't destroy it. Well, what if there's only 30 can be found? And the Lord says, I won't destroy it for sake of 30. Well, Lord, you know, I want to ask you again. How about 20? The Lord says, I won't destroy it. Lord, how about 10? I won't destroy it. See, Abraham knew that Lot and his family lived there. And Peter would say, Lot was a righteous man and his soul was vexed by the evil in Sodom. So Abraham knew the character of God and apparently goes back to the days of the flood that God does not destroy the righteous with the wicked. And he's asking in light of the character of God, knowing that God is faithful to his character. Abraham is reasoning with God. God, you can't. Now to drive home the point that God does not destroy the righteous with the wicked, go over to chapter 19 of Genesis Chapter 19 and verse 15. With the coming of the dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are with you, or they will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they brought them out, well, One of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. Sodom, Gomorrah, and the plain, or the cities in the plain were not destroyed with God's direct judgment while righteous people were there. There weren't ten righteous So the place was not spared. But those that were righteous were delivered before God rained down judgment on them. If you want to say a lesson, reasoning with the Lord through prayer, according to his character and for his glory, by imperfect humans has a profound impact on history. And eternity. The Lord does answer requests based upon his character. We can be bold in talking to the Lord when we bring his character into the picture. The focus is not on Abraham, the focus is on God and his character, the Lord and his character and his being faithful to his character. Nehemiah in boldness talked to God in Nehemiah 1. Daniel in boldness talked to God in Daniel 9. Moses in boldness talked to God after Israel had sinned in Exodus chapter 32. 
the creature, reasoning with the Creator based upon the Creator's character. And saying, Lord, you need to be faithful to your character. Let me share a few thoughts and then some applications. Each time between each time communication between the Lord and Abraham is mentioned, the Lord took the initiative. Not only here, but in other times when Abraham talks with the Lord. The Lord spoke and Abraham responded. You ever think about prayer? Life would be much simpler if we speak to the Lord after he speaks to us. So in light of 1 Peter, a citizen is willfully and joyfully obeying the government of that day. And they're struggling with it. And the citizen says, Lord, you're faithful to your character and you tell us to submit willfully and freely to the government. I'm having a hard time. I don't know how to do this. How about some wisdom? The Lord says, yes, I'll gladly give you wisdom because you're asking for what I want to give. I want you to live in submission to the government. I'll give it to you. Or a wife who's a believer in 1 Peter chapter 3, living with an unsaved husband. And she says, Lord, I know you want me to develop a gentle and a quiet spirit. You want me to submit to my unsaved husband. I don't know how to do this. And I'm overwhelmed. Am I ready to quit? Help me. Give me wisdom. The Lord says, sure. You're asking in light of my will, in light of my character. I will do. I will respond. Prayer is not to be centered in our needs and our woes primarily. We know God is interested in them. But it needs to be centered in God. In the situation that we face. As an example, you may have an unkind boss. One who is not real responsive. And you say, God, give me a new boss. God says, let's go back and try praying again. But God changed the boss. Let's, let's go back and try again. Okay, Lord, I have an unkind boss. I'm to submit to him with a good attitude. And when he insults me, I'm to bless him. When he does evil towards me, I'm to bless him or her. Lord, help me to do that today. And the Lord says, now you got it. I'll gladly do that. Because that's what I want to give. I want to use you to get through to the boss. John White in his book on prayer says, the same process was taking place between God and Abraham. It is not the fate of Sodom that is the issue in Abraham's prayer, 
but the character of God. It is easy enough to plead for the doomed and the lost, but it's another matter altogether to question God about his own integrity. Abraham has been bold. God, Lord, you won't go against your own character. You can't destroy the righteous with the wicked. It's like me years ago calling my dad. Ruth and I were having a very, very hard time financially and job-wise and so on. And I said, Dad, I'd like to borrow $3,000 from you. I knew Dad had to say yes. I knew he had to say yes. I had him over the barrel in, this, in a sense because he had demonstrated in my 20 plus years of life that when there's a need and one is broken and comes humbly to him, that he gives. He said, how much you need? I said, 3,000. He said, I'll put the check in the mail immediately. He said, on top of it, Dan, there's no interest. When you can pay it back, pay it back. I had that over the barren. I don't say that in, with any kind of lack of respect. I knew his character. So I ask in light of his character. I didn't call Ruth Ann's dad to ask because I didn't know him that well. But I lived with dad. He had given, he had interacted, and I saw how he lived. And that's what Abraham is doing. He's saying, God, here's who you are in light of who you are. I'm making this request. You won't destroy the righteous of the wicked. And the Lord didn't. A couple of practical applications. The purpose in prayer is not to get the Lord to do what we desire, but to seek his action in light of his character. We sang earlier, we didn't sing earlier, but Ruth Ann and Anita sang earlier, his eye is on the sparrow. And in the context of Matthew 6, God taking care of the birds of the air, God taking care of the grass of the field, the line, bottom line is, will he not take care of you? It's about the Lord's character. It's not primarily what we desire, but the Lord's character. We respond to him in light of his character. Approach to the Lord with deep reverence and respect in complete humility. I don't think Abraham was being haughty. He recognized who he was. He recognized that I'm but dust and ashes. But yet, he knew God's character and he asked and pled in light of the character of God. Determine what aspects of God's character or involved in your specific prayer concern that you present to God. A child who is living at home, 18 and under, will say, if they know mom and dad and the character of mom and dad, they can get a yes answer from everything they request to mom and dad. 
You say, how? They ask according to mom and dad's character. So a 16-year-old son who's just got his license says, Dad, can I have the car tonight? Because I want to go out with the guys and I want to leave a little rubber in the road and have a good time tearing around. No. But if he comes to dad and says, Dad, can I use the car tonight? A couple friends and I are going over to see widow so-and-so. We want to be an encouragement and a blessing to her. Then afterward, we're going to go out and get a bite to eat. Then we're coming home. Can I have the car? Sure, son. You can have the car. It's knowing the character of the one that is being asked. There is no need to say, if it be your will, if we know the character of God in a specific situation. Sometimes when it comes to someone being sick and being healed, we're not sure where God is at with all of that at times. But in much of life, God has already spoken. So I prayed for the church this week. As I prayed through First Peter and into James, I said, Lord, this is your will that we rejoice in our trials. And here's people that are going through trials. And I'm asking that you give them wisdom. And the Lord says, I will. That's his character. That's his will. I don't have to say, if it's your will, Lord, give them wisdom. It is his will. So as we pray, if God has spoken, we can ask. I prayed earlier for encouragement. For Ryan. It's God's will. He wants to encourage Ryan. So I can pray for that, expecting God to respond because that's his character. But I do not pray that way. If I'm praying for areas where God has not clearly spoken. As you know, Ruth Ann has migraine headaches more than we would like for her to have, but that's life. <coughs> and I remember early on in the headache process. Lord and I had some talks. I said, Lord, do you want to fix her or don't you want to fix her? And got the answer, no. She don't get fixed now. Okay, Lord, I won't ask any more for fixing. But I do know you want her to have wisdom. I know you want her to remain faithful. Those I'm asking, and you will respond. But in those areas where we're not sure, we back up and seek God. And sometimes he gives us a clear answer and sometimes he doesn't. Because James talks about praying for the sick. And apparently there was a conviction that person was to be healed there. But other times that's not where it is. Answered prayer can be the norm in our lives if we reason with the Lord according to his character. And I'm not saying how many prayers get answered. That's not my point. 
but we reason with him according to his character. And as we reason with him, he changes us. So that what we desire is what he desires to give. And then we ask according to what he desires to give. Abraham was not always at that point in life. Remember, Abraham is the one who had a child by Hagar. You want to say became impatient with God and God graciously dealt with him and graciously said, Abraham. It's been almost 15 years since Ishmael came along, but I want you to know that I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And when you get to Genesis chapter 22 and Abraham is asked to offer Isaac, he gets up and he goes. His communication with God is changing where he surrenders more and more to God. He close with a couple examples of praying in light of the character of God. For those of you who are husbands and fathers. You can go to God in prayer and say, God, I want to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I want to nurture her. I want to care for her. I want to be teaching and training my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I need wisdom. And this is a given situation that I'm facing with my wife today and my kids today. I don't know how to handle this, Lord. You're a wise God. And you tell me you'll give me wisdom. I'm waiting on you to give that. God will respond. Because it's based on his character and the circumstances that you're facing. A child goes to school and in school, tormented by others, not treated real well because they just try to respect teachers, strive to, strive to study hard, and try to respect other kids. And the child comes home and says, Mom, Dad, I'm not being treated very well. I'm being made fun of. I'm only trying to do my work well, and they don't respond very well to me. They call me names sometimes. Just trying to respect teachers. They get made fun of just because I'm trying to respect teachers. What do you suggest? Dad and mom say. Let's talk to God about this. And the way we're going to talk to God is this. Not that God will make it easier. But that God will enable you to grasp his grace and his power at work in you. So that when... You're spoken evil 
people speak evil of you or insult you, that you will return a blessing. That you will be able to say, I'm returning a blessing because I've experienced a relationship with God. He's my Savior. Christ is at work in me. Can expect that. God is going to answer that. Because it's asked according to his character, his will. Three months later, the child comes home again and says, Dad and Mom, it's not any better. God didn't say it would get better. But you've been changing. You're knowing God better. Hasn't God given you wisdom to bless those who have insulted you? Yeah. Haven't you come to appreciate God more? Yeah. Let's keep asking God according to his character. Let's pray together. Father, in light of our brief discussion this morning on prayer coming from Genesis chapter 18, I think all of us would acknowledge that we haven't begun to fully grasp all that is to be understood about prayer. But I think it comes through loud and clear in Genesis chapter 18 that Abraham, reason with you according to your character, according to your will. And you responded. May we grow in understanding your character, your will, as we read your word, as we interact with other believers. And then pray accordingly. And if we're not sure how to pray, Father, then maybe ask some other believer, you know, will you help me think through how to pray? What promises of God, what character of God is involved in how I pray? And Father, you have been so very patient with us. First of all, in drawing us to yourself and then in our walk with you. We know that Abraham struggled not only to Genesis 18, but even after that. And we confess we're fellow strugglers. Continue to faithfully work in our lives. We will grow, mature, and pray. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.